These are the news for today. We're going to be talking about Amazon Digital Marketplace, which uh, we have talked about in the past, but today we have a lot of very good news to cover. We're going to be talking about a ruling against Apple, which um, has out of implications for apps and uh, Web3 in the future. And finally, we have a new metaverse, one where serials are the protagonist. Okay, this is it. Let's do it. Welcome to Marketing Meets Web3, the podcast where we share news and ideas about Web3. Today's conversation is for information purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I'm great, Abelter. How are you? I am fine. I am uh, doing well. I am uh, strong and ready to talk about, uh, again, <laughs> the Amazon Digital Marketplace. This uh, keeps coming back and uh, makes sense, I guess, because, well, Amazon is very big. It's got uh, 200 million um, worldwide uh, monthly users. So it makes sense that um, when, they s- when, when the market sees that they are actually uh, getting, finally getting into, into market, into, into a marketplace, into a digital marketplace, uh, there's a lot of buzz around this. And uh, yeah, we, we, we did uh, cover this in the past when it was a rumor, but now it looks like uh, it's going to be finally happening by the end of May 2023. There's a lot of um, news articles covering what it, what this could bring to the industry. And uh, we're going to be covering some of the main ones or main takes. But uh, what do you think before we get into those? Yeah. So, you know, at a high level, I know we've talked about this before and, you know, there's probably going to be more speculation as this story develops. But anytime there's a player as big as Amazon looking at the Web3 space, I think that's exciting. Right. Amazon, love them or hate them. They're a giant force in the world. They're a huge company and they have a gigantic customer base. And so when we talk about onboarding the next billion crypto users, um, as lofty as that sometimes seems, when we start to see companies like Amazon, who has a customer base of 200 million users, when they start to look at the space, it starts to really open up the aperture on how we get to that next billion users. Um, and it starts to seem you know, quite a bit more feasible. So these are the kind of unlocks, you know, when a big company comes along or the technology gets uh, markedly simpler, these are the kind of unlocks that really create a step change in adoption. So at a high level, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm bullish about Amazon coming into the space and raising the awareness about Web3 for a much, much wider audience. But tell me more about some of the speculation that's going on. Yeah, what I like is that, um, well, I think everybody knows that uh, Amazon is huge and they have a lot of resources. So they, they've been looking, well, this is my assumption, of course, <laughs> they've been looking at whatever is happening in this uh, Web3 crypto area. And um, now they are coming with their own takes, right? They are, they are coming with their own, their own initiative. And when, um, when they present their initiative, what they end up uh, using and what they end up discarding, right, could be or could bring a signal, very important signal to, to the rest of players in uh, in this sector. So, for instance, one of the things that they seem to be focusing a lot on is uh, simplification, which I guess it's not a surprise. Basically, simplification when it comes to paying for these digital assets. I think this makes sense, right? Yeah, you know, you said something really interesting, which is, you know, this idea that... Um, when a player as big as Amazon comes into the space, it can have a lot of implications across 
the broader landscape. So I guess to make that a little bit more real, you think about Alexa, right? And when Amazon rolled out Alexa, it was pretty experimental. It was kind of a parlor trick. Um, and it was only designed to work in a few use cases. But because Amazon is pretty smart about the rollout strategy, they tend to open the doors up to third parties, so developers and hardware manufacturers. And in a fairly short amount of time, these other companies started building solutions for Alexa. Um, what's cool about that is those other third parties, they're, they're looking at other problem spaces, right? So what started is, hey, I want a smart speaker that gives me answers to my homework, <laughs> you know, might turn into, I need a smart doorbell that listens to my voice, or I need a home assistance device to help me care for somebody at home. Like all of these different use cases start emerging when you have an ecosystem of companies and people thinking about the problem space. So for Amazon to really be reinforcing this idea of simplifying the experience and doing things like paying with fiat um, into an Amazon wallet, like what are the second and third order effects that's going to have as these other players start looking at that and saying, hmm, how can I be a part of that ecosystem? And it probably means I need to follow the trend here and do something that's a simplified user experience. So, you know, back to this idea of a step change, this could really be an unlock for the ease of use around Web3. Okay, another one of the takes or the rumors that uh, Amazon is going to be bringing into this uh, um, product is what I read as the digital experience. Uh, you told me ahead of this call that you have heard this word before. I, I didn't know what it was. Basically, it <laughs> this digital experience is about buying NFTs with your credit card and um, getting physical products delivered to your doorstep. Uh, so what do you think of this digital experience? So digital, it's a pretty controversial word. word. Uh, people love it or hate it. I, you know, I've heard both sides of the argument. Um, but I think at the core of digital, you know, even beyond this use case of using an NFT to get a physical product, I think what digital is really about, it's about us starting to blend the digital and the physical worlds that we live in. So, you know, a lot of people talk about the metaverse, like it's this place that we need to go to, but in reality, like we are already living in the metaverse in some way or another, because anytime we're interacting with digital systems, that is its own little digital metaverse. And so when we talk about this idea of the wider metaverse, I think about that as just starting to connect the dots between these digital experiences. And as we spend more and more time in these digital experiences, inevitably, we're going to want to merge that with our digital or our physical, our physical worlds. And so when you do that, it's physical and digital, you start getting this, com this combination, this digital combination where I can much more easily cross from something like an in real life experience into the digital equivalent of that or an extension of that experience. You know, you're seeing this a lot in the festival world where there's some sort of virtual side of a festival or those two things come together. And so I think this idea of digital is going to continue to grow. I think this is just the very tip of the iceberg. And, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of exciting experimentation around it. It's funny that two minutes ago, I didn't know what digital was. And now it looks like I am living in a digital life. <laughs> you're already in a digital world. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, there's, there's a lot more speculation, but uh, I think we can cover one last point, which I think is interesting. And um, I, I bet that if they finally get into this marketplace, uh, it's going to bring this point, which is um, blockchain-based gaming. So Amazon, I think, has shown in the past to be very much into games. I think their acquisition of Twitch 
signals uh, this this uh, this interest. And um, I think that this integration of uh, Amazon digital assets and gaming could be very strong. But um, yeah, let, let me let me hear what you think. Yeah, so I think you know, gaming is this. Um, a lot of people look at Web three and say, well, gaming is going to be the the primary way that people start to understand the value. Um, and, and that's really around this idea that when I'm a gamer, I acquire these things in a game, whether it's skins or weapons or jewels, whatever they are, I'm spending my time to earn these items. And today I don't actually own those items. And blockchain gaming says, well, if those were NFTs, you could actually own those items. And, you know, there's this sort of pie in the sky use case of being able to take all those items to a marketplace where when I'm done with a game, I can go and I can sell those items. So all of this time and money that I've invested into this game, if I'm done with the game, I'm bored, I've moved on, whatever it is, I can now recoup some of my investment by selling those items in a marketplace. Well, the problem today is that you need a big enough marketplace. You need that liquidity that comes from a marketplace to be able to create that sort of ease of use of trading in and out of these things as a gamer. And Amazon happens to have a pretty strong uh, marketplace. So, you know, the idea that they could leverage some of their investments like Twitch um, and start bringing Web3 and their marketplace strength to the gaming arena uh, is pretty exciting. And I think they they have a strong chance of being able to facilitate that next step in Web3 gaming. Okay, talking about uh, strong, big digital marketplaces, let's... um... Let's move on to talk about uh, Apple and uh, something that happened uh, recently with um, their um, w- with their platform, of course, for for um, for applications. Yeah. So here's the scoop on this one: uh, a California court recently ruled that Apple violated state competition laws because they barred app developers from using alternative in-app payment methods uh, outside of the App Store. Now, everybody knows, or most people know that if you're in that space, you know, the app app store charges a 30% commission. And so, you know, at the core of this, this case, it's really Apple trying to defend its margin, you know, trying to get that 30% slice and developers pushing back and now being, uh, you know, reinforced by court ruling that Apple needs to open the doors and needs to let developers offer alternative in-app payment methods. Um, Apple has some time to appeal the decision um, to, to have that ruling overturned. Um, but if they don't, you know, then developers should be free to direct app users to their own systems to make purchases. Now, this is all in the legal system. And as we know, it's going to take a while for this to suss out. But I think there's some interesting promise here. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so this this comes not from the world of um, Web3 applications, but more from the world of, uh, I think, gaming, right? Uh, applications. Right. And um, yeah, it's it's something that uh, has been uh, discussed, argued for, for, for a long time, right? Uh, the, the power that um, Apple has on their own platform. I mean, it's their platform, so I guess <laughs> they have all the power on it. But uh, yeah, there, there's, there's been a lot of uh, conversations around whether this is fair or not. I mean, my take, my personal take is that if this is a company, and of course they, they are entitled to do whatever they want with their product. But um, yeah, it's um, it, it can seem a bit unfair when um, when this um, payment is as a... Is as, as big, you know, as a 30%, which um, I, I see why some companies uh, may 
may may find it uh, you know unjust. And uh, it's 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 funny to see this, right? Because you see a big company like Apple defending that uh, that thirty percent, and uh, of course not being something that can be um, surrendered by surrendered to small companies, right? It, it had to be the case that a, another big company had to feel that this was uh, an outrage and then and then um, uh, combat Apple in the in the work within the justice and try to get a, a rule that um, overruled <laughs> this this thirty uh, percent commission. So yeah, it's uh, it's funny how these um, companies um, end up you know battling between each other, and I think it's good because uh, well, this is how markets uh, evolve. So. I mean, this is my take when it comes to to what the, what, what this means for the market and what it could mean for the future of uh, development in uh, in this uh, particular uh, area. But I, I would like to hear you about what is the potential impact on uh, Web three in particular coming from uh, from this um, from this uh, decision from the from the courts if they eventually you know stay stay like this. Yeah, you know so. You know, going back to your opinion on this, um, you know, in in general, I I tend to side with free market economics, and you know, let let the market decide um, and let free enterprise do its thing. Um, so, in general, you know, in principle, I, I do believe that corporations should be able to set their own rules for their own products. I think the issue here, though, is that Apple has such a stranglehold on the mobile market, right? If you look at the market share they have on devices. And as a consumer, when I purchase a phone, you know, we're now spending anywhere between a thousand to two thousand dollars on these devices. I mean, that is a handheld computer for all intents and purposes. And what we're basically being told as consumers is that you can only use the apps and use the systems that we say you can. And that's all predicated on our ability to profit on those systems and those apps. And to me, that's predatory from a consumer perspective. And so I do see some merit to this argument that Apple has an obligation to open up their app store. And even if that means, you know, lowering or foregoing that 30% commission, um, I think the implication for Web3 is that we have seen a, a lot of apps that interact with NFTs or interact with crypto get denied. Um MetaMask was in beta mode forever before it finally got approved in the App Store um, because Apple, you know, I think there's this sort of implicit fear that by opening the door to things like crypto, that is an alternative payment system. And so it's a it's a way for developers to start looking around Apple and saying, you know, we, we want to be able to sell NFTs in an NFT marketplace that doesn't use the App Store's transaction methods. And so therefore, Apple's going to lose that commission. Um you know, I think there's probably a middle ground from a business perspective. I agree that Apple is creating a, a service and adding value and they should be compensated for that. But there's got to be some compromise at some point if we're going to move forward with these systems that interact with NFT and with crypto, NFTs and crypto. And so where I think this comes into play is that, you know, if this sets a tone and developer expectations that they can interact with their own payment systems, I think we could see a rise of crypto or Web3 enabled apps that are actually interacting directly with blockchain assets, um, which would be a huge unlock for adoption. Because as we've seen over the past 10 or 15 years, mobile adoption is where everything starts. You think about every app that's gained traction in the past, you know, several years, if not five or six years, it's all been mobile first. 
right? And so having a place where people can go on their phone and start exploring and experimenting with Web3 that is not high friction, that is as simple as opening up TikTok, um, could be a real boon for the industry. I like that we are both uh, market lovers. And this is that, that's why I loved that uh, it had to be eventually a battle of uh, two big companies with, uh, with big bags, I guess, <laughs> that they could spend. Uh, yeah. On- <laughs> On justice, and uh, one one last point here that I found uh, really interesting is that at some point uh, Apple interfered with uh, NFT transactions uh, sent on the Coinbase uh, self custody wallet, and that they were claiming that they were entitled to collect thirty percent of the gas fee that was paid through you know through, through through the blockchain for this for this NFT. So it's and it's interesting because uh, I guess there is no real uh, um, precedent on, on something like this. And it is, it's not really even clear what, what the gas fee is in terms of like, what is this? Is, is it money? Is it, uh, is it a commission? What, what exactly is the legal um, name for, for the gas fee? But uh, regardless, <laughs> Apple was very quick to, I don't know, to put this in the, in the bucket of, okay, these are fees that probably belong to me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they were, they were quick to move on this. Uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, I guess, situations where, where the market moves uh, a lot faster than, uh, than the law. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that, point i don't it, it feels like a land grab to me on the fee because you know anybody who's been in the blockchain space for a little while will understand that you know the gas fee is not going to the app developer the gas fee is going to the network the gas fee is going to the miners that secure the chain and make sure that these assets uh keep their integrity so either you know it's a fundamental misunderstanding by whoever's drafting uh these rules on apple's side or you know, it's it, again, it's just a land grab where somebody's saying, yeah, that's a fee. We'll take 30% of that too. So we'll uh, definitely interested to see where this goes. But um, speaking of land grabs, you have a story about some digital land and cereal. You want to tell us about it? That's an awesome transition. Yes, I love it. Of course, uh, we have uh, Nestle cereals uh, trying or well, actually acquiring a part of uh, a piece of land in uh, the central land. And uh, they, they are going after this, uh, this piece of land to, to host, uh, to create a space where uh, there, there's going to be some virtual attractions that are going to bring together a community to talk about uh, sustainability topics and um, also have some, um, some virtual challenges and, uh, of course, some NFTs that will be necessary to overcome these, uh, these challenges. This... Um, this uh, move from uh, from Nestle, basically, or the parent company of uh, of uh, Nestle, which in this case is going to be called uh, uh, Nestle Cereals, Cereals Meta Club, uh, the company actually doing this. Um, it's I think it's an interesting move because uh, it uh, it speaks of uh, diversification and also the the appeal of uh, of metaverses, right? Uh, I don't think we've heard the last word of uh, metaverses, uh, quite quite the contrary, and. Um, yeah, the central land was very, very, very big in the past, and a lot, a lot of people were talking about uh, a lot about this. And um, at the moment, it's a bit, it's a bit not so much uh, hyped. <laughs> but but still, you see moves like this, right? When a big, where a big company decides, okay, I may as well just you know invest a bit of money into getting a piece of land in here, just in case 
you know, this becomes a thing. I, I want to be well positioned. And at the time, it's a, a space that is up for grabs. I guess uh, very, very cheap to, to to get to get a space on it. And um, I don't know. I, I find it interesting, but uh, a bold move. I guess. What, what was your take? Yeah. So, well, I guess before I dive in, uh, for our listeners that are in the United States, when Alberto says Nestle, he means Nestle, even though he's right and he's probably pronouncing it the proper way. Uh, here in America, we're, we're saying Nestle. Um, so yeah, this idea that, you know, we're going to scoop up digital land and that's going to be some sort of, you know, digital frontier of our business. I mean, companies have been trying this for a long time, right? I mean, thinking all the way back to the beginning of the internet, um, I forget the exact name of the thing, but there was the million dollar webpage where this clever individual was selling pixels on a webpage for, I think it was a dollar a piece. And so he said, well, I have a million pixels. I, I need to make a million dollars. I think he was trying to put himself through college or something. Why that cost a million dollars, I don't know. But um, he sold these pixels to companies. And so these companies would come along and you know, part of it's just a PR play, right? It's a little bit of a, a stunt and they just want to get their name out there and plant a flag and say, yes, we're in the metaverse. But as the space matures, I do think there's some merit to this idea that brands should be pushing into these digital worlds more aggressively. Um, I think serial is kind of interesting, right? Like at, at first blush, I kind of balk at that. And I'm like, well, what are we, t- we're talking about serial, right? Like who really cares about the metaverse and serial, but who eats a lot of cereal? Kids, right? And who's thinking about digital items and digital worlds probably more than anybody else? Kids. You think about Roblox, you yeah. think about Robux and how successful that company is because they're catering to these small humans with giant imaginations who are thinking about how they can jump into these digital experiences and create these worlds that they want. So, you know, this is actually probably a pretty savvy move. Um, on Nestle's part. And I'm excited to see, you know, if they take this further, I I see some exciting themes poking out here around like online challenges and real life rewards. Again, going back to the digital idea, like connecting some of these things that I earn in a digital world and then pulling that back into the physical world. Now we're talking about creating some pretty strong brand affinity, right? If, If I go to that serial because I know, hey, when I finish this puzzle, I unlock this digital collectible. And maybe then I take that to Amazon's marketplace and I trade that for my Roblox, you know, my Ro- my Roblox game. <laughs> now we've connected the dots in a much bigger way. And this idea of digital assets really powering the next version of society starts to feel like something we can start to, you know, get our hands around. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, but it, can, it makes a lot of sense. I was actually thinking... About, about the connection between uh, between the three different pieces of news that we've covered today, right? The, the cereals, the the place where you can buy these digital assets, and um, and Apple as a, of course a, a platform where where these apps may 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 may, may have to be used. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see see situations that like this one. I was thinking of my nieces. You know, they they um, they wouldn't uh, sit down to eat. Unless you know they have some some kind of entertainment in front of them, and exactly. um, yeah, yeah this, this could be kind of like the thing that uh, yeah, I, I imagine a situation where you sit down in there and and you ask your your father or, or your mother, uh, can I please uh, you know get this avatar because uh, I need to have this 
specific specific avatar, which is uh, $2. And with this avatar, then I can enter this attraction in the in the serials uh, Meta Club. <laughs> and uh, without this avatar, I really can't. And if, if I really can't, I'm going to be crying here and not having breakfast. Uh, so I, I, I see where then, you know, the parent in question is going to be purchasing an avatar because, I mean, one or $2 is worth it, I guess. Well, and I think, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but I think back to my childhood and my entertainment with breakfast was the cereal box, <laughs> looking at the back of the cereal box and maybe there's a puzzle or there's, yeah. you know, a word find, or you're looking for the toy at the bottom of the box. This is really the same idea. It's just going digital. You know, kids all have mobile devices now. So the idea that they're going to sit there and get out a pen and do a crossword puzzle is probably antiquated at this point. But if they see a QR code, and they pull out their iPhone and they scan that and that pulls them into a digital experience where they can go earn credits that then they can redeem for that avatar somehow. That's a pretty sticky experience. Yeah, probably the big, the biggest breakthrough in there is the QR because I remember in those, at the back of those boxes, you, I mean, not at the beginning, of course, but uh, I guess when I was having these uh, experiences, you, I used to see, you know, these um, uh, URLs, you know, that okay, take, take, use this URL. Right. I get into this website and then uh, complete the puzzle and you're like, this is a lot of letters. I need to write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very right true. So it's going to take a while. <laughs> uh, so, so you end up uh, not doing it, but uh, yeah, with the, with the QR uh, direct to the, um, to the application, the game uh, in question or the avatar, I think, I think this becomes um, a lot easier and you, you stay for a lot of the friction. So yeah, uh, definitely something that could be a lot more interesting that, uh, and it looked like. Uh, okay, so thank you. And I guess for today, we can leave it here and uh, we will see what uh, guest we can bring next for a deep dive. Sounds great. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Marketing Meets Web3. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You can find our host, Nick Casares, on Twitter at N-I-C-K-C-A-S-A-R-E-S. -E